0: please visit redemptionokc.com. It's good to sing and be reminded of those truths and the fact that we do have a good shepherd, a God who loves us, who sent his only son for us to rescue us and sends a spirit to live with us, to meet us where we are. And wherever you are today, I know there's a lot of sick people Um, this this week it seems like there's a lot of people traveling there's a lot of people trying to figure out how to pay for gasoline that costs a little more than it did this time last year and just all the ups and downs of life wherever you are we just want you to know god loves you god will meet you right where you are and god will carry you through and so we're grateful for that and excited to get to um to lean into his word a little bit here today Uh, let me mention this before we get started we actually uh, someone emailed me this week and said uh, a couple weeks ago you talked about keeping your heart or guarding your heart and you listed off a list of questions that just helped you evaluate how well you're doing and that and kind of assess your spiritual health in terms of how your heart is doing and uh went ahead and, and, and they asked me for this question so i actually just put those together and, and put those together as a handout and we've got those available to you they're back here on the bistro tables or you can catch them on your way out but hope that as you leave today you'll take those and it's just a way as you think about applying this series of proverbs and kind of walking through that and uh, it's just a way to reflect on kind of your own spiritual health and heart health and uh, hopefully that'll be an encouragement to you as we dive in here so well, we are in the book of proverbs and we're going to be in proverbs chapter nine today uh, we're focusing on what the bible calls the way of wisdom and when the Bible speaks of wisdom, it's talking about navigating all the nuances of life and successfully finding your way through to a life of flourishing as God has designed it to be. And oftentimes when we think about, uh, when we think about uh, kind of the, the scriptures, we tend to think about the really clear black and white commands. Uh, do not kill is not vague. Right? Do not commit murder is not vague. It's pretty straightforward. It's pretty obvious. Uh, but there's a lot of other things in life that aren't quite so obvious, aren't there? And those nuances of life. Uh, when should you speak up to a friend? When should you hold back? When should you overlook a fault? When should you confront someone? When should you, uh, you know, who, who it is should you, should you marry and pursue it in a relationship? Like Those questions are not as obvious in just the straightforward part of life and proverbs is a book that god gave us to help navigate some of those ins and outs in the way we tend to think about it now here's what i want you to understand about the book of proverbs if you divide it down the middle of the book of proverbs Proverbs chapters 1 through 9 really speak to kind of the philosophy of life the philosophy of wisdom and how we're to understand that and the writer of proverbs kind of just systematically works through from Proverbs 1 to Proverbs 9, this kind of understanding of of approach to life that says, do you believe there's a creator who has designed the universe to work in a certain way? And will you bend your ear to him uh, in order to learn how to live? And then when you get to chapters ten through thirty-one, it actually breaks down instead of kind of presenting this philosophy of life tells you how to live. And so it gives you kind of every verse is kind of a new life lesson in how it is that you are to live and to make life work. But here's the thing that Proverbs understands that I think the writer of Proverbs is trying to get us to understand is until you've until you've committed yourself to the way of the Lord, it won't matter if you try to apply the wisdom of Proverbs 10 to 31 so before we can get to the nitty-gritty of uh, of your work and your relationships and uh, your your habits and uh, the the way in which you choose to try to navigate those other areas of life first you have to settle for yourself where wisdom is found that there is a creator who has spoken and revealed his way to us that you might listen to that and so proverbs chapter one through nine really lays the foundation for that so today we come to chapter nine and as we do we're really looking at this saying, and really what, what the writer, what the sage, what Solomon is doing here is he's driving you personally to a point of decision about what it is you're going to bank your life on. What it is you're going, what philosophy of life uh, that you are going to try to, to, to navigate life with. And ultimately we have to settle in our heart who calls the shots. We have to settle in our heart whether we're at the center, whether God is at the center whether we're going to listen to the things that he has to say about life or whether we are going to try to carve our own way and so the preliminary works of wisdom is really built around humility and the willingness to admit that you need to be led by someone who's wiser and smarter than you so uh, here's what we're going to see today is whether you intend to or not we all develop a, a life philosophy that determines how you live and how you, why you make the choices you make and the strength of the life you will build and so today we're going to look at I wanna, we're going to show you three things I want to show you first um, your test that you're going to face I want to show you your turn that you need to make and I want to show you your trajectory that you'll find yourself on based on how, which direction you decide to turn notice that each point begins with a little word your I want you to make this personal today I, I want you to think about you. I want you to take this out of kind of the theoretical realm. Sometimes you come to church and it's like you sit back and you just kind of lean there and you, you know, cross your legs and get comfortable and every now and then you're like, oh, that was a nice point. And you kind of nod and you make these like very polite gestures of, man, this was a good service. I, you know, how do I approve of you know, the songs or the singing or the quality? Or like sometimes we sit back and do that. I think what Proverbs 9 is trying to do is, is kind of getting in your face and saying, though, no, you have to choose what you're going to bank your life on. And so as we, as we lean in here today, I want you to lean in a little as, as you think about this point of decision. Where, what are you going to do with the core questions of your life? You need to settle these before we can get to the other kind of nuances of how to live. Those, are, th- those won't come if you don't settle this question at the front and at the beginning. And so he's setting up this decision ultimately is a choice between two options, the ro- road or the way of wisdom and the way of foolishness or folly do you remember what jesus said at the end of his sermon on the mount the the very last thing jesus does he comes and he says uh, there's a man building a house and he presents a story this kind of illustration of two houses that represent kind of not just building a house but ultimately building a life and one's built on the rock and one's built on the sand and uh, both houses uh, look about the same on the outside they Tend to look very similar, but beneath the surface, they dis- difficult or they, they, there's there's uh, great differences underneath the surface. One is building with the understand that storms and winds and trials and difficulties and hardships and tests are going to come, and so they build upon the firm foundation of a rock. the Other one builds for the human eye and for the perception, but is not thinking ahead to what lies and is built on the sand. And at the end of the, at the end of Jesus' story one house is standing and one house is gone and this is what proverbs 9 is going to do it's trying to point you to do something very similar in fact i think jesus was drawing on this when he told that story so let's look at proverbs chapter 9 together i'm going to read the whole thing and then we're going to come back and break it down what you'll see is in this this poem of proverbs chapter 9 there's three sections of of six verses each and it's going to kind of unfold as you walk through um, each of these sections and the, the, it's going to bracket, so you get on the front end and the, and the back end, you get a bracket of two ladies, Lady Wisdom and Madam Folly, and in the middle you get the section that really points to you and the decision you make. So let me read with us, yeah, let's read God's Word here in uh, chapter 9. Wisdom has built her house, she has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beasts, she has mixed her wine, she has also set her table. She has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in town. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, Come, eat of my bread, drink of the wine I've mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. The first section, next one. Whoever corrects a scoffer himself gets himself abuse. He who reprieves the wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer, he will hate you. But reprove a wise man and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be wiser still. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. For by me your days will be multiplied, and your ears, your years will be added to your life. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. It's the second section. The third one begins. The woman folly is loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house, and she takes a seat on the highest places of the town, calling on those who pass by, who are going straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense she says stolen water is sweet, bread eaten in secret is pleasant, but he who does not know that the, but he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. This is the word of the Lord. So when you look at this, you see the, the two sections on the either end, the two brackets, verses 1 to 6, verses 13 through 18. Solomon uses the image of two ladies that are inviting us to very different approaches of life. In many ways, Lady Wisdom and Madden Folly appear very similar, don't they? They both have a house. They both have a meal. They both offer an invitation. Uh, they both uh, go out in the streets and, and invite anyone that will listen to come in and so there's these things that, that are very similar but there's also some differences that are very important and ultimately this is the test that we face all of us have this this test that we face in life that says which which direction are you going to go which voice are you going to heed which path are you going to turn to and move into uh, do you notice that verse 4 and verse 16 are identical it's interesting when you look at this passage, Madam, uh, uh, Lady Wisdom and Madam Folly literally offer the exact same invitation. Do you feel like our world sometimes does something similar to that? you recognize that our world sometimes sounds like it's offering the same, the same thing? That the, 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 the way of foolishness, the way that rejects God, the way that runs full bore after its own power, it, it sounds almost identical to the way of the lord and to the way of the wise and to the way that leads to flourishing and sometimes you have to see not what's behind the the kind of window dressing to know what's underneath that invitation but notice what both uh, both ladies say whoever is simple let him turn in here to anyone who lacks sense she says but then where she goes on from that goes in very different directions but the invitation's identical from both of these ladies. Now, uh, it, it's interesting that both of these ladies address a person that's the simple. When we think of simple, we think of simple-minded as kind of this condescending thing. When Proverbs is talking about the simple, what he really means is it's the one who has not yet made a decision, the one who's uncommitted, the one who is is kind of naively walking through life saying i'm not sure but I'm, I'm willing to give an ear to both sides i'm not i haven't made a decision of of committing myself to the lord or rejecting the lord and going this direction i'm sort of trying to play the field and be in the middle and that's kind of the way this uh this presents itself when it talks about the simple but there's actually three groups of people in this passage there's the wise The wise have already made their decision. They're saying, no, uh, the the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And so I trust the Lord and I'm going to run after him. I've committed myself to his ways. So that's the wise. Then you have the scoffer. We're going to talk a lot about the scoffer. The scoffer is the one that says, I've committed myself to my own way. I've rejected the Lord and I've decided this is the direction I want to go with my life. I want to do the things I want to do, not try to trust what the Lord has to say. And so you've got the wise and you've got the scoffer and in between you sort of have the simple, the uncommitted, those whose lives sort of hang in the balance. And what what the writer is skillfully trying to do is saying, this is where you are. There, there's two directions you can go and they're both going to lead you in very different directions. But, but you and students, think about this. You're the ones whose lives are just starting out and you're beginning on this path and you're asking yourselves these questions uh, about about life and about meaning and about identity, about, uh, about sexuality and about all these things in life and, and the scriptures are going to get to those but it starts with this foundational question that just says, what do you believe about the Lord and what are you going to do with that core issue of your life? And so it addresses... The simple but we're going to come back to this in just a little bit but i want us to turn and we're going to talk about the scoffer uh the scoffer it's it's kind of a funny uh funny term for us but look in verse 7 um i love how frank it is it says whoever corrects the scoffer gets himself abused and whoever reproves the scoffer incurs injury to himself do not reprove a scoffer and he'll hate you and in contrast the scoffer and the wise man it says if you if you Correct. If you offer instruction, uh, direction to someone who's wise, what do they do? They go, "Oh, I'd like to learn from that. Let me try to turn my life in the right way." But what happens to a scoffer? And he's the one that stands up and is like, "You going to try to tell me how to live?" And they begin to bow up and, and begin to fight back. Uh, now, let's talk about this person, uh, the scoffer. Uh, scoffers appear seventeen times in the Book of Proverbs. Um, I, I've probably read the Book of Proverbs a hundred times. Like I've read it over and over and over going back to middle school through the course of my life. And I feel like I always had an idea what the scoffer sort of was. I mean, it sounds like a certain word, like a scoffer. Like it just sounds like what it does. Like, you know, like scoffer. Like, you know, you're going you're gonna to treat someone that way. And I sort of had an idea what it, what it meant. But do you realize I, or for me after 2020, I, I know the scoffer now. Like now, when I hear Scoffer, I've like got faces in my mind. You know, like after twenty twenty, the way our world's gone in the last couple of years, you think about Scoffer, and I read this, and I'm like, "Oh man, that guy's everywhere in our world right now." And any of you, can any of you relate to that? Any of you try to try to, try to correct someone who knows everything? anyone see any online battles anywhere uh in, in your day where someone's like i think this is true and everyone else is like no it's not and they're like yes it is and it's like no it's not and, like it just goes back and forth and then they just start screaming and and everyone's mind gets changed and everyone gets up in a happy place at the end of that right no because the scoffer is present and i think uh, that's where it's why i never read facebook comments when the city makes a post uh, if you go to any sports website and you start reading at a message board, two out of three comments are scoffers. It's why, you know, social media started out, and they're like, hey, let's have this happy thing, just you can like us. And then everyone's like, I need an unlike. Like, I need something else. And they started creating these other avenues on social media where it's like, I want to mute that person. You know, I want to block that person. I, wanna, I, wanna, I don't want to unfriend that person because that would kind of be vulnerable and it might risk the relationship. I just don't ever want to hear anything he has to say again. And so you, you check those boxes. You know what I'm talking about, right? Like, hopefully I'm not that guy on your, on your timeline. You haven't been like, you're that guy. You know, but hopefully there's none of that that's happened. But this is the thing for scoffer. It's a specific label for a, or a, label for a specific type of a fool. who's in contrast to the wise person. But the interesting thing is the scoffer and the wise person, they walk the same streets. They hear the same messages. They, 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 they interact in the same avenues but they have very different lives and responses to that. So I want us to look at a few verses for, um, dealing with scoffers today. Proverbs 13.1 says, A wise son listens to his father's instructions, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. Uh, well, the foundational thing about a scoffer is he doesn't like correction. He just says, would you just, stinking leave me alone and let me do what I want to do. I don't want anyone to try to, to offer a different way of thinking about it, about something. So there's a refusal to respond to correction and to learn. It's not a lack of intelligence. It's a lack of willingness to receive instruction from outside of self. Proverbs 21, 24, scoffer is the name of the arrogant, haughty man who acts with arrogant pride. Um, you know, it's like the, the, the proverb, the writer here is not being very vague, right? He's the arrogant, haughty man who acts with arrogant pride. Like how many ways can he say haughty, arrogant, prideful, you know, full of himself, uh, it's not a mental attitude problem, it's an aptitude, or it's not an aptitude problem, it's an attitude problem. This isn't about his intelligence or his mental capacity or his score on his ACT. This is about someone's heart and what they do. And ultimately, scorner or scoffer is sort of the, the last stage in the progression of moving towards folly, that they've become hardened in their way, and they've dogmatic about their positions now it's sort of a bloated self-importance that resists any idea of a god greater than myself and it fights back against that one guy says this is literally it's fury of pride when he says that he acts so it's not someone who this is just sort of their opinion they're like oh well you do what's good for you this is me this is someone who's actively doing something Uh, one guy said it's it's aggressive insolence meaning he doesn't just sort of ignore things but he's got an opinion and he's driving forward in it um, i feel like we see a lot of that these days proverbs fifteen twelve says a scoffer does not like to be reproved he will not go to the wise so again he, he doesn't like correction but you notice here that uh one i love what one commentator said he says a scoffer is not as fearless as he pretends meaning he he sort of guards his territory you know, so this one says he won't go to the wise what he means was he doesn't want to find himself in the company of the wise so I'm not going to put myself in a place where I might be corrected or I might be proven wrong. I'm not going to risk submitting myself to the opinions of anyone else. I'm just going to stay over here and spout off my opinion. But I'm not going to enter into a community that might disagree with me because that would be uncomfortable for me. He's not quite as brave as he seems. Proverbs 22.10 Drive out a scoffer and strife will go out and quarreling and abuse will cease. thing that's interesting about scoffers is Almost everyone can just look at one and know who they are, right? Like if you think about your office uh, and you you work with a bunch of people, you can probably be like, oh, I know who the scoffers are. You know, you start naming names. Because it's pretty obvious when you find someone that's so set in their ways, dogmatic and they're unbending, and they won't listen to anyone else's opinion and they won't listen to a different way of thinking about anything. They simply are going to kind of ramrod their opinions through but it also, um, you, what you see here is this, this also creates lots of tension in the community, doesn't it? There's some people that are just toxic and it's going to make things uncomfortable for us. These fights are ultimately not about the facts of a situation. There are normal conflicts in life, right? Like there's, there's if you've been married very long, you know that you're not always going to agree on everything. If you've raised kids, you know that you're not always going to agree to on everything. If you've worked with anyone else because you throw a bunch of sinners into a group and let them express their opinion, you're going to butt heads from time to time. That's normal. This is something different, though. This isn't about, well, what was the scenario or the situation or the misunderstanding? And if we just kind of communicate a little bit, we'll get this cleared up. That's not what's going to happen in this case. Because the problem is not the scenario. The problem is the person. He's unbending and, and more information isn't going to, he's not going to be like, oh, you're right. Because he's already set in his ways and said, no, I know what's right. It's also interesting that this person is, is not just kind of this foolish person you would ignore. You notice these, he's influential. This is a person who has, has influence over, over others. And there's impressionable people that are always in the, in, within the, the earshot of scoffers. And so when they speak, oftentimes people do listen, and the simple-minded start to get swayed by the things that they hear. And so this is a person who oftentimes in their dogmatism is, is impressive in some ways. Uh, but you notice what he says, drive out a scoffer? You know, sometimes you just have to evict the person in the apartment complex that's burning the house down, is what he's saying. Sometimes there's no just reasoning with this person, but as soon as this person goes, everyone goes, I can relax a little bit now because there's no longer this tension and so there's this dance for us because we also feel like we're called to, to love our enemies we're called to go to those who hurt us we're called to these things and that's where wisdom comes to play and we're not going to have time to walk through that today but sometimes you need to be the one who speaks to that person and god calls you to do that but oftentimes what proverbs is saying in the normal course of life someone who's dogmatically set in their ways and they're a scoffer and a scorner you're not going to be like, think about this, and they're going to be like, oh, and everything's going to go well. And so oftentimes, what you have to do is just say, we're going to set this aside so that we can be a healthy group. Now, Proverbs 29, um, 8 through 9, deals with the same thing. It says, scoffers set a city aflame, but the wise turn away wrath. A wise man has an argument with a fool. If a wise man has an argument with a fool, the fool only rages and laughs, and there is no quiet. And isn't the Bible just so practical and relevant to everything we're facing? That if you, if you go and like, I'm going to go fight with a fool, what's going to happen? They're just going to rage back. They're just going to come back and come back and come back and they're going to laugh at you. And so they, they make their influence by derision, by snark, by condemnation, by judgment, by looking down on you. And so you're not going to ultimately turn things away. You notice what it says, scoffers inflame people. They set people aflame with outrage and anger. They deal, in the, they, they deal in controversy. It's what they love to stir up is controversy and strife. They play to the crowd. But you notice what the wise man does? Is the wise man just shuts it down. It's like, I'm not going to play that game. And here, friends, can I just tell you the, the most concerning thing about me, for me about this passage? Is that there is a subset of Christians in our world today that have decided that if, if, if scoffers are going to scoff, then we need to scoff in return. But somehow our winning and our victory is going to be, I'm going to out you. Like you scoff at me, I'm going to out you. And so if you play power game, I'm going to play power game. If you come at me, I'm going to come at you better. And the problem is that first and foremost, it doesn't look like Jesus. And you know what we're called? What we're called? We're called Christians. And that term came around because it's little Christs. There were to be little Jesuses walking around on the planet that looked like him. And when we do this, we don't do what Jesus calls us to do, and we don't look like Him. We dishonor the Lord. It's also just not very effective. And so the, the wise man it says refuses to play along. He engages the situation in a way that dissipates the anger and wrath and sends it away, sends it away in a different direction. Friends, you can't reason with a with a closed-minded scoffer. He just doubles down and laughs. Proverbs calls it out and says it like it is. That's why I say stop screaming at scoffers. It's just not going to work. It doesn't honor the Lord, but it's also not going to get you where you want to go. I, I've never seen someone on Facebook screaming and yelling, and everyone would be like, oh my gosh, you're right, I should become a Christian. It's just not the way that thing works. But somehow we've valued it, and we've elevated it, and said, well, if they're going to scoff, we'll just out-scoff them, and somehow that will be better, but it just doesn't. Um, friends, our digital world appears to be just this breeding ground. It's like gremlins. You ever seen gremlins? Like, you get water on them, and they're like, boop, 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 you know, like, gremlins just start popping out everywhere, and at first, the gremlins seem like these nice, happy guys, but then you get later, and they're like these angry, creepy, you know, angry, like, killers, and it becomes this, and uh, I think online world is like that. It just multiplies scoffers, it's like, you know, your comments just start, they start, scoffers start popping out everywhere, and then it ends up doing damage. But it's built on snark, dismissing opponents with kind of a condescending flair, and constantly spouting hot sports opinions but it doesn't lead us where we need to go look at this proverbs 21 1 when a scoffer is punished the simple become wise when a wise man is instructed he gains knowledge notice the difference so you can't completely ignore a scoffer because there are influential people that may get swept into just that turmoil of everything going on sometimes you have to address it you have to call it out you have to name it what it is well I don't think uh, with doing that online with people that are, you have distant relationships with is the way to do that. Um, we don't have time to walk through all that today. But part of what he's saying is trying to discipline a scoffer is a waste of time. But sometimes you have to act in order to protect the simple that are in the midst. And so there are times where you have to address issues because there are those that need to be influenced. But notice the second part of that verse, it says, when a wise man is instructed, he gains knowledge. It means he pursues knowledge. He's hungry for knowledge. And, and, and you can't scream at a scoffer and get him to listen to anything. You realize if you just whisper to a wise person, they're like, oh, tell me more. I want to grow. I'm hungry for the wisdom that God has. And they're, they're, there's this kind of thirstiness for the wisdom of God to guide their life. And they want more because they know they need it. And so as you think about this, it's interesting to me that a wise man will lean in and listen everywhere he can. Because God has his attention. Friends, do you realize that just as you walk through life, every minute of every day, you're being shaped and formed and discipled by the messages going on around you? That as you walk through the streets, essentially, where, where is Lady Wisdom and Madam Folly? They're out in the streets. They're at the most public places. They're in the town square where all the interchange of people is happening. And they're both present. And they're both screaming and calling out and inviting you in. And so you're being discipled and influenced everywhere you go. It's interesting that in the New Testament, uh, Paul actually refers to this in 1 Corinthians 3. He says, Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks he is wise in this age, let him become a fool, that he may then become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God. Paul turns everything upside down. See, the, the beginning of, or the separating place between between the wise and the, the scoffer is is humility. When you're, when, you're, when you're proud and haughty and arrogant and acting with arrogance, you can't receive the messages of the Lord. It's interesting when you think about what Jesus says in, in I mentioned the Sermon on the Mount earlier. If you go back to the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, the, the, the two rock, two houses built on the rock and sand. Or the close of the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount begins with this. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, meaning those who are wholly devoted to God, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, they will be called sons of God. Do you see what Jesus is getting at? That it starts with humility. It starts with us being willing to lay down and empty, empty ourselves so that we can receive something better from the Lord. And ultimately, this is where Proverbs 9 is driving us. It's interesting how often this thing shows up. It, um, Proverbs 3 says, uh, Toward the scorners, God is scornful, but to the humble he gives favor. James 4 uh, says God gives more grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. First Peter five five, and it says clothe your, yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You see a pattern here. This is all throughout the scriptures that is calling us to a path of humility. Uh, Proverbs fourteen six, a scoffer seeks wisdom in vain, but knowledge is easy for a man of understanding. See, Mr. Know-It-All can't learn anything because he's not open. He's closed-minded. It's interesting that in our world we talk about free thinkers, but free thinkers actually just said, I'm closing myself off to everything except for what I want. What Proverbs is saying is, who is the wise are those who are open to correction and instruction from the Lord? And to them, it says knowledge is easy for a man of understanding. Such a contrast to the scoffer. Uh, So here's, I want to go back to Proverbs 9 now. We've kind of given you a whole lot on scoffers because I think it uh, I kind of got to beat a dead horse. But, you know, I need you to see this for what it really is and how often and really what the scriptures say about this. So when you go back to uh, back to Proverbs chapter 9 in the middle section there, uh, the, the middle section talks about verse, uh, uh, verses 9 and 10 say, uh, give instruction to a wise man and he will become wiser still. Teach a righteous man and he will grow and increase in learning. And then verse 10, you get the, the hinge or the, the focal point of the entire, this entire chapter, and really of all the book of Proverbs. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Do you remember where else you saw that in the book of Proverbs? Week one, we saw this in Proverbs 1. The very first chapter of the book of Proverbs starts off, and this is the, the kind of thesis statement for the whole book of Proverbs that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. See, wisdom doesn't start out with information. Wisdom starts out with a person. It's focused on the God of the universe, the creator, the one who made us. And that's why there's a spiritual importance to this. And so our test is to choose between wisdom and and folly. But then there's a decision we have to turn and decide which way we're going to go. And ultimately, this is where uh, this section drives is, what are you going to do with the God of the universe? Fear of the Lord is, Submitting to his leadership and his direction. Surrender. Surrendering self. Emptying yourself to say, I'm coming open-handed. I'm coming w- w- asking as, as a beggar asking for bread. Who, someone who's hungry to eat at the wisdom of the Lord. And so you come and you acknowledge that. That's what the fear of the Lord looks like. And that's what Proverbs 9 is driving us to. And it's interesting when you get to Proverbs, verse 12. So remember that the, you've got three sections. You've got Madam, uh, you got Lady Wisdom. You got Madam Folly in one to six and thirteen to eighteen. The middle section, he's driving. He's focusing on you from seven to kind of 4, uh, seven to twelve. Look at verse twelve. One of the most individually focused verses in the whole Bible. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. What's he talking about? he's talking about human responsibility. Meaning that at the end of the day, you have to decide what you're going to do. And you have to bear the weight of whatever decision you make. If, if you choose wisdom, then that wisdom is going to bless you. You're, you're wise for yourself. You're going to grow through that. If you choose folly, then you're going to bear all the weight of responsibility for that. You can't shove this off on someone else. You ultimately have to deal with it. You have to choose which direction you're going to turn. It's interesting when, uh, when you look at Lady Wisdom, what she says is, Leave your simple ways and live. Learn to walk in a new way. I mean, you have to, you have to repent. You have to turn. You have to leave your old ways. Instead of running after the, the way of scoffer, instead of like walking as the uncommitted, I'm not sure what I'm going to do, you have to leave your old ways and turn towards wisdom, which is really turning towards the Lord, and you have to make a choice. I mean, he's talking about human responsibility, and what you do is going to make all the difference. Verse 11 says, For by wisdom your days will be multiplied and years will be added to your life. What it means, not just the, how long you're going to live, it's saying... Your life is going to flourish. You're going to do well. You're going to, you're going to walk well under God's care of you. And so that's the, the outcome if we choose that. But those who check, choose folly, um, they're checking in Hotel California. Any of you like the Eagles? Yeah. Um, I, I can't look at this passage and not think about that, right? The last thing I remember was running for the door. I had to find a passage back to the place I was before. Relax, said the night man. We are programmed to receive you can check out anytime you like, but you can never leave. That's Lady Folly. It invites you in and says, you can try to check out, but you're never getting out once once you're here. Once you've made that decision, it's a forever decision. This is why I say that you have to not just work your test and your turn, but it ultimately determines the trajectory of your life and where it is that you're heading. And I want to just contrast or talk about Lady Wisdom and Madam Folly for just a minute. Um, do you think about those two bookends, so the, the first six verses, the last six verses, and how it contrasts these two women, uh, wisdom is, you notice it sucks. Let's, let's talk about the house. Um, you notice wisdom has, is building her house. Where, what is Madam Folly doing? And she's just sitting down. She just she's a slug. She's just like, ah, I'm just gonna watch this thing. Madam Folly is or Madame Wisdom is industrious and so she's building. So she's carved seven pillars, meaning this is an estate, and seven's the seven's a number of perfection. So it's, this is someone who's built a house that's the perfect place that's big enough for everyone to come in. It's gonna be comfortable, it's gonna be lavish, it's gonna be great, it's a wonderful place to step in. She's uh, it's it's uh, and then Madame Folly on the other, it says she's seductive, but she knows nothing. Meaning she's sitting at the door of her house and seducing and inviting and alluring people in with the eye candy of her house. But once you get in, she really has nothing to offer. It says she knows nothing. Contrast the meal. So that's the house. Think about the meal. Wisdom prepares a wonderful meal. You know what she says is, and she's already killed the the animals. She's got the meat ready. She's already mixed the wine. Meaning she's got some mixed drinks. She's sweetened it up to make the wine taste even better. Um, She's prepared. It says she set the table. And so there's order, there's hospitality, there's this inviting you into this wonderful, lavish meal of wisdom that's there. Notice what Lady Folly does. It says she offers stolen water and bread eaten in secret. She didn't prepare anything, but she's going to allow you to steal something. It's, It's dealing in the land of the forbidden. You remember when we talked about Uh, sexuality in in Proverbs chapter 5 it talks about going to your own cistern and drawing water it's an image that probably refers to just that which is fleshly and allows you to run after whatever it is that you desire or want and she's offering stolen water meaning she's offering you something that isn't what God had for you but you're working around it to try to grab hold of something that was not intended for you and it's uh, and then it says she's offering bread eaten in secret why do you eat in secret? because you're eating something you're not supposed to be seen eating, right? Um, I remember we caught one of our kids one year had hid all their, all their Halloween candy. And they hid them in a certain place and we were digging through it, and and found it. And there's like this horde of all this candy. And we're like, what is that? And How long has it been there? And we kind of got nervous about, you know, like, is, does that have an expiration date? Because we don't, we're not sure how long our kid, one of our kids had hid all this stuff. But you hide stuff because you know you're not supposed to have it. Let's contrast the outcome. Wisdom says, leave your simple uncommitted ways and do what leave your old leave your old way and live and learn to walk in new ways But notice what lady folly offers not life but death so friends let me ask you this what's your choice what are you going to do with the test that you've been given which way are you going to turn which trajectory are you going to be on Because at the outset, wisdom and folly oftentimes look so close. They they both have a house. They they both have a meal. They both speak and they actually use sometimes the same words and the same lines. And and, and they, they offer an invitation that's alluring and looks good. But once you step through the door, they lead you in very different directions. I think it's important for us to think about that. I love this offer that Lady Wisdom gives. Come, eat of my bread, drink of the wine I've mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. I ask you a question: Where else in the Bible have you seen an offer to simple people to come, to eat and to drink, to experience life, and to walk in new ways? It's Jesus. This is foreshadowing of what Jesus said to you. Jesus comes to simple people who don't have it all together. Simple people who... The only requirement is for you to admit you don't have it all together. (coughs) The only requirement (coughs) is for you to say, I'm coming empty-handed like a beggar in need of bread. And I'm willing to receive what you have and I will nourish and and, and feast on whatever it is you have to offer. That's the only requirement is that you come, that you receive, and that that you're willing to leave and to come to Him and to receive. It's interesting you see this idea throughout the whole Bible. Isaiah 55 says this. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. He who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money, without price, meaning you don't have to earn it. You don't have to pay for it. You don't have to do anything. You just have to come and receive it. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and labor so hard for what will never satisfy you? Listen diligently to me, says the Lord. Eat what is good. Delight yourselves in rich food open your ears and come to me so that your soul may live it's the invitation of scripture that we could come empty handed to one who provides and we can feast on him and find life John 6 Jesus says this I'm the living bread that came down from heaven if anyone eats of this bread he will live forever and the bread I give him for the life of the world is my flesh the, or the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh for my flesh is true food And my blood is true drink. See, we come, ultimately the scriptures say, to Christ. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Do you want to be wise? Then you come empty-handed to the Lord, and you receive, and you take from him. And Christ says, it was ultimately my body that was broken for you, that was the bread that you eat. And it was my blood that shed for you, that was the cup that you drink. And in that nourishment is where you ultimately find wisdom. Amen? Amen. So we are going to take communion together. We're going to come to Christ. And as we do that, we're practicing the thing that he's talking about. Uh, When you come to the table, um, any of you drop a tip on the table for the meal we served you? Any of you, like, tried to check out and pull your credit card out and try to pay for it? Because if you do, it's a problem. Because we we come to the table empty-handed. We come to the table saying, I have nothing to give. I only can receive. And so we come and, and we receive the cup and we receive the bread and we, and we take and we eat and we remind ourselves that it's through the broken body and shed blood of Jesus that we have life. And so we leave our old way, we receive life, and then we learn to walk in new ways, just as Proverbs said. Friends, if you've not yet put your faith in Christ, um, would you do so today? Because your, your life is, 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 is hanging in the balance as one of the simple who's untested or uncommitted. And as you navigate this test between wisdom and folly, you have to make a choice. Which road are you going to go and which way, whichever way you turn has great consequences for your eternal future. So friends, choose life. Surrender to the Lord. Don't come with self. Lay down yourself. Empty yourself and come and receive from one who will feed you well. Um, If you are a believer, you're welcome to come to the table. Um, I'm going to pray for us and then invite you to come um, to the table to stand and sing as you come. And if you've not yet received Christ, I'd encourage you to stay and pray and maybe just ask him to make himself known to you that you might choose him today. Just say, Lord, I don't know who you are, but I want to choose you. Come find us and we'll talk with you after the service. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would open our eyes that we might see your goodness, that we might see your grace. We might see the foolishness of our world and we might not cling to it, but that we would empty ourselves of it. We might be filled with your wisdom, the wisdom that comes through Christ, by grace, through faith. Father, we pray in his precious name. Amen.